0: This decision is very bad. Let's be perfectly clear, what this would do to PAGA is it would put PAGA in a white panel van, drive it out to the desert, dig a big giant hole and bury it.
1: Hey, this is Sean Kernakin, and you're tuned into Civil Action. This is the podcast of Cabatech LLP. We're a firm in downtown LA that does a lot of different work on the plaintiff's side. And we put this podcast on so we can share with you what we are learning about the law.
0: Our weekly podcast is dedicated to important topics for lawyers and issues in the law. We have guests. We talk about recent cases. We talk about trends. We talk about practice areas. We try to help people be better lawyers and learn about the law. In some ways, you can look at this as a 15 to 20-minute law school class each week. Hey, this is Brian Kabodek, and welcome back to Civil Action. Today, we're going to talk about... Whether or not Paga is on life support, and the effect of a recent decision that came down from the Second District Court of Appeal, Wesson versus Staples, the Office Superstore, which apparently is the actual name, that's of like the full Staples. name, right?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting case. But I think before we even talk about the case and whether or not Paga is on, as we said, life support, we got to talk about the history of Paga, what Paga is, and uh, California's. That's Cleveland. Sean Carnickian
0: talking, by the way, who didn't introduce himself today, but that's okay.
1: I'm go Brian go ahead, Sidekick. John. I'm Brian Sidekick. I'm Sean Kernikian. And today we're going to be talking about PAGA. And we're going to be talking about the future of PAGA and what's going on with it and and efforts to erode PAGA and California's otherwise pretty employee-friendly environment.
0: I'm going to assume Um, that most people listening to this have a basic fundamental understanding about what PAGA is, the private attorney general statute that went into effect in 2003 that allows lawyers acting on behalf of workers or employees of companies to sue for labor code violations. So I don't think we need to take a deep dive into that. I think from 30,000 feet, I'm very concerned about the future of PAGA. I'm concerned about it because not only this Wesson case, but very recently there's been an initiative filed that would eliminate PAGA in its entirety in California. If you don't know about that, you should take a look at it or reach out to us and we can give you more information. But let's talk about the Wesson case, Sean.
1: Right. And, and I think before we jump into it, I think what makes PAGA unique and important is that prior to this, there was no real requirement. In fact, I think the Supreme Court, California Supreme Court had come out and said that the same certification requirements in class actions don't apply to PAGA cases. And that's what made it so feasible, such a viable mechanism for bringing representative actions and representative of otherwise different groups of people. You could bring it all in one action and you can try to hold hold employers accountable for their misdeeds. So the, the Wesson versus Paga case involves Paga claims. It started as a class action with a Paga component to it. It involves claims on behalf of managers at, I believe, 346 managers in staple stores who were classified as executives. And that that's first of all. Can we just talk about that? Is is it strange for you, Brian, to consider these store managers at Staples stores, who I'm sure are very hardworking people, to class it, for them to classify them as executives? Do you think they were compensating them like how they pay the real executives at Staples? Like No,
0: I, I don't think that I did. What did strike me about the case is there must be some facts here that we're unaware of, because generally, you know, 15 years ago when 20 years ago, when people were pursuing misclassification cases about assistant managers, it was almost always assistant managers. It wasn't the manager and it wasn't trying to establish that the manager was a non-exempt employee. But here there must have been facts that go beyond the four corners of the actual decision. But Going back to what you were saying is, yes, the the California Supreme Court did come down with a decision, a case I believe called Arias, that says that class action requirements don't apply to PAGA cases. The general requirements of a class action case don't apply. That groundbreaking case, very pro-PRAGA. And by the way, this whole Weston case has not yet been reviewed by the California Supreme Court. They haven't decided whether or not to accept review. They haven't decided whether or not to decertify or depublish the case. So you need to check it. If you're looking at this, if you're listening to this in the future, make sure you double check to make sure that Weston is still good law. But I'll tell you the thing that struck me about the case is how many managers did you say made up the the, the PAGA group? Because you can't even call the class.
1: Uh, right, they're called a group of aggrieved employees. Three hundred and forty-six total. I mean, that number
0: employees. right there is is stunningly small. That's a small right. number of people. But what the defense in the case did, and sorry, I don't mean to dominate this whole thing, Sean. But I'm kind of no, no, no.
1: It's a discussion. Yeah. Is is that well? It's a discussion where I do all the talking. Yes. Go ahead, sir. Please explain. What I'm
0: concerned about, though, is that. The defense came out and they said, I think they said it's going to take like years to try because they're going to try each individual manager. Now, that's a strategy we've seen in pocket cases before. Every time. Right. The defense is it's unmanageable. It's unmanageable. But man, the number of managers here is so relatively small. It seems like if this case goes forward, almost any argument beyond one or two people is going to be it's
1: unmanageable. Right. You're absolutely right that we see it in almost every PAGA case that we file where they argue, hey, we have a right to put on an affirmative defense as to each one of the class or right, we shouldn't use class, but the group of aggrieved employees we're gonna show that each one of these managers yeah. is not exempt
0: or is is exempt, right, is not a um, an hourly type employee. And we're going to put on a case for each one of them. Well, why wouldn't they do that? Then in every case, we're going to show that every one of these 300 clerks weren't cheated out of their wages, et cetera, et cetera. That's what I'm very concerned about with this case. Yeah. And ultimately, what the court says, what the court of appeal says, is they agree with the, the trial court judge, a very bright trial court judge. Who made this ruling? They said no. The courts have the inherent authority to manage their own calendars. And if a court finds that a PAGA action is unmanageable because of this kind of BS defense that the car- that the the employers put out there, we're going to allow the court to deny any kind of treatment of this as a PAGA case and throw it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, prior to this, there were already cases like you know Williams and. Some others that dealt with the manageability issue that have said, you can't just throw it out because it's unmanageable, but you know they've recognized that courts have the right to do it, but this is really the first California appellate decision to recognize that a trial court can dismiss a PAGA case because it's unmanageable. What I have trouble with is the defendants in this case making this nonsense that you know we we have the right to put on every single one of these aggrieved employees, and there's variation as to what each one of them experienced. That's where I think it's nonsense. You know, I don't disagree that courts need to be able to manage their their caseload and be able to direct how they handle their cases. And I agree that a case shouldn't take years to try if it's not warranted.
0: Well, the And and, and in all fairness, too, the plaintiff lawyers declined to present a trial plan to the court. They took the position that the court didn't have the authority to ask for that. And I'm not criticizing them, but I'm saying that, that that looked like a factor that the Court of Appeal looked at. And they said, you didn't even cooperate in trying to put forth a manageable plan on how you would try these cases. So, you know, post post Wesson, I think the first thing that a lawyer needs to think about doing is coming up with a plan on how the case can put presented and put forward. However, having said that, at the very end of the opinion, the Court of Appeal comes out and says well, you know, in their reply brief, they come up with some kind of plan, and we just don't think it's adequate, and we think that doing a sample is not adequate, and we think that following the Duran case, another California Supreme Court case, about the manageability of, of cases, that, that doing statistical sampling isn't going to be good enough, it isn't fair, it isn't the way things should work, and we're just simply not going to allow it. So this is a troubling decision, to make no yeah. mistake. It, it bothers me very much.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's look, it's not a slam dunk dismissal of any case that has any hint of it taking a long time or being borderline unmanageable, but it didn't provide any guidance for, for what makes it manageable or what should be done. But they did specifically say something along the lines of I had to highlight it here, that the courts should work with the parties to render a PAGA claim manageable by adopting a feasible trial plan or limiting the claim's scope. So they did say that and, and you know, might be sort of well-intentioned, but I yeah, don't know they where they that Yeah, they
0: did, Sean, they do. But then in, in another part of the opinion near the very end, The court basically says that the trial court has to accept the affirmative defenses of the defendant in these cases and that they have a right to have that and that the defendant's ability to present their defense can't be impaired simply because there be some kind of argument about common proof. I mean, I I think, make no mistake, this decision is very bad, I think, of cases that you and I have been involved in where we've had 30,000 Employees of a company. They've raised this issue. The trial courts dismissed the manageability issue and said you could put it on by showing, you know, pattern and practice or whatever. I think post Wesson, that's a much harder argument to make.
1: Yeah, they're going to make this argument every time. They're going to file a summary judgment on it hell i mean they might even file demurs on it or something earlier than a summary judgment and say hey here's evidence that this is how many employees we have and this is how the trial is going to be and unless plaintiff can put on a trial plan that's significantly more manageable you know the court i think unless you're out.
0: able i think unless you're able to show a uniform practice for example rounding errors yes yeah something yes. like that yeah um or re- refusal to pay minimum wage I think unless you can find that, you know, yeah. you're going to have with the more sophisticated the case, the more difficult it's going to be proved.
1: Right. It's. I get that. But then we're back at class actions. I mean, the whole point of PAGA was it opened a door to address employment violations that weren't susceptible to kind of class treatment.
0: Or that were subject to an arbitration agreement that sure, is and yeah. doesn't work for PAGA. Arbitration doesn't work for PAGA. We know that under Scanning and its progeny, right?
1: Yeah. So so I don't know where it leaves us. And well, I think I think the real problem here is now
0: is the bigger the case, the bigger the Piaga case, the bigger the action, the less likely you're gonna have success. I mean, a one off, a two off, a three off, sure, you might be able to do that. One store with employees. Maybe you'll right. be able and, to do and that. And what's
1: troubling about that is that really upsets me because then you have the smaller the business is, the more susceptible it is to these types of things. And the bigger the business is and like too big more, to sue, man. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's, it, that's uh, their
0: theory. We're just yeah. too big to sue. We've seen that for a decade. And instead We've of protecting small now.
1: businesses, now the big businesses are the ones that are being insulated and the smaller businesses are, are going to be the targets. You know, the, that's, that's really unfortunate I think.
0: So um, now since we go from bad news to really worse news, just shortly before we recorded this program, an initiative has been filed with the attorney general asking for title and summary, which is the first step to getting initial initiative qualified that would eliminate PAGA in its entirety.
1: It would amend PAGA, the PAGA statute, quite literally amend it, change the name, first of all. And really well, eliminate the ability to bring it as a representative action, it would just be a, a one off action and it reduces the amount of panel.
0: Well, it would be let's be perfectly clear what this would do to Paga is it would put Paga in a white panel fan, drive it
1: out to the desert, dig a big giant hole and bury it. That is not good, right? casino style like like, or was it goodfellas but but yeah it just you know it would would kill paga it would kill paga it would i
0: mean it's a complete elimination in fact there's one provision of the initiative that says under no circumstances can the state of california even hire private lawyers
1: to pursue these types of cases and what what have they styled that as though like what's their i remember noting this the title and
0: summary i don't know what
1: they're worth no not not necessarily title but what what's the I think they've it's kind to of- protect.
0: It's protecting workers or something right, like that. Making it
1: easier for workers to to get get you know money that they've been shorted or something. And it works with
0: the premise that these cases should be pursued by the state of California, which incidentally, I agree with. They should be pursued by the state of California. The problem is the state of California only has so many people to do these kinds of cases, to go after employers, to look for bad employers, to find people that are violating wage laws. And we can debate whether or not there's some abuse of PAG, and there very well may be out there some abuse and- particularly with smaller businesses. But my view of this is that it is an attempt by the business industries in California to curb PAGA, and this is their first volley. But don't rest assured that it's not going to get qualified and put on the ballot, and don't rest assured that the voters wouldn't pass it if they had enough money to sort of support this action.
1: Yeah, hey, this is California. Anything can happen when it comes to these initiatives. You put on the ballot, gets enough support. Uh, we saw what happened with Prop 22, for example, and what's to say that this this initiative won't get enough money behind it? But you suspect it's just an attempt to negotiate, Brian. You think it's just a leveraging? Uh,
0: well, I, uh, I think I think that's probably they're looking for a legislative solution ultimately because you know, qualify an initiative for the ballot, it can cost millions of dollars, four or five million dollars, just to qualify it, and then once you qualify it to run a campaign, it's going to you know, a political campaign is going to $10, $20 dollars at least to run that kind of campaign. And they have been talking for some time in, in Sacramento about curbing PAGA, about limiting PAGA. And this could be, you know, the first move in that direction. They're frustrated at the legislature. But I don't want anyone listening to this think to shrug their shoulders to go, okay, well, there's going to be, you know, some kind of legislative solution. First of all, there could be a devastating legislative solution. right? And, and secondly, you can't be assured that that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it could end up in the ballot next year. yeah, And that would be
1: bad. Right, that's what I'm saying. You know, they could end up on the ballot, and that is not good. That would be catastrophic. So, what can people do if they're, you know, interested in these issues, interested in, I don't know, their their bread and butter and where how they make their money? You know, lawyers that represent these clients. What I'll can give a do shameless sure plug for
0: COC that I was the president sure. of uh, a few years ago. COC. Sure. Get involved. Donate money. Participate. Learn. Become educated, get other people involved. It, it's it's really going to require being that. The
1: legislators, I mean, it, it, well, it,
0: if right. it ends up in the legislature, yeah. if we end up talking about a legislative solution, absolutely. And we need people with good stories, not the shakedown stories, but legitimate good stories. Someone that's being cheated on minimum wage, someone that's not being paid overtime, people who aren't getting their benefits, wage theft, true wage theft, and how Paga actually is a solution to that how it solves problems, not how it creates problems. So I I mean, I encourage everybody listen to this, get involved in some respect. One way to get involved is with, with CSC, but in your professional life as a whole, you will become a better person, a better lawyer, if you're involved in the community of lawyers that you're in, whether it's your local bar association, your local plaintiff's bar association, your community group of lawyers, anything like that you will it will enhance your experience as a lawyer and it makes the profession better for all of us
1: yeah i think it gives you you resources to tap into and it helps share your story and find some camaraderie amongst others that are doing what you do. It only, it only makes you better. And and yeah, if you do have stories, as Brian said, you know, I'm sure CIOC would be interested in hearing stories about real life clients that you've had and the experiences they've been through and how Paga helps them and how the elimination of Paga or the eroding of Paga is hurting you, your practice, your clients. You know, I've personally been, you know, asked to sit in on calls with legislators to share stories about our clients. So that's really something that they do almost on a regular basis. So if you have those stories, you know, reach out to us, reach out to the organization. Um, you know, shameless plug. That's right. And,
0: and and as far as shameless plugs go, if you want to talk about paga, you want to talk about any of these issues, please reach out to us. We'd like to hear from you. We appreciate you telling people about our podcast. This is Brian Kabatek. You can reach me at BSK at kbklawyers.com.
1: And I'm Sean Kernick and You can reach me at sk at kbklawyers.com. Our website is obviously kbklawyers.com. You can find us on all social media platforms at Cabatech LLP. And we appreciate you listening to this. Feel free to share the podcast with anybody that you think it might be helpful for or if anyone you think might be interested in the practice areas we talk about and feel free to reach out to us. If you have any questions, if you want to run something by us, if you have an idea, if you have an interesting case, a story you want to share, please reach out to us. You can contact us anytime and we'll try to help you out and we appreciate you tuning in.